This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio, and now in its 25th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. There is drama at Volkswagen this week as the automaker plans to shift to electric vehicles, and it uh, rankles some workers in Germany. Can Volkswagen out Tesla Elon Musk? We'll explore that coming up. And we'll discuss the lengths car dealers are going so they can obtain cars to sell. It's been very difficult for them. Stay with us for that. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack Nerad, and back with me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. I, I know you were ill last week. I think you're still a bit under the weather, but thanks for soldiering through and being with us today. I would not miss it for the world, although last week I did not have a voice, but it's nice to be back among the, the world of the living for now. Uh, and back at work. Well, we're so glad to have you with us. We always uh, love having your points of view, and you have interesting ones, so uh, we'll tap into that as we go along here. This week, we have a special guest for everyone, too. Our, our guest is Garang Kalsaria, a product planner on the revised 2022 Volvo XC60 SUV. Garang Kalsaria doesn't exactly sound like a Swedish name, but uh, he is the product planner on this vehicle. We uh, sat down with him for an interview inside the XC60, actually, right in the vehicle uh, in Malibu, California. It was the quietest place to do the interview. We'll have that interview for you. And uh, in the road test segment, Chris, what was the uh, Teague family testing this week? We, or I, tested the uh, 2022 Ford Explorer XLT. Yeah, and your family kind of gets involved in that uh, you put them in car seats and booster seats, and your wife contributes her thoughts as my wife contributes hers. She had a lot of thoughts. My wife, uh, by the way, had a lot of thoughts on the all-new Genesis GV70, their SUV, their midsize SUV that I was driving. That will be my road test vehicle. And of course, in the, uh, the next segment, we will be talking about driving news, including the boardroom drama that's going on at Volkswagen. Crazy stuff going on there as the German labor board, who have a, a big say at Volkswagen, get involved with who should be CEO. So we'll talk with you a bit about that when we come back. And and how that can affect you, because it's interesting the way these global car companies can have effects all around the world. I guess that's why they're global. So with Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and stay with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jack Red with you for Automotive News Time. And, ah, drama. We have so much drama going on at uh, Volkswagen. Volkswagen is going through, uh, they uh, go through this uh, seemingly on almost a yearly basis where they have a difficult relationship with the G uh, German labor board representatives who are on their board of directors. It's something different than we have in the United States where a lot of times the unions will have a big influence. The United Auto Workers Union will have a big influence, but they won't sit on the board of directors uh, but they do that at Volkswagen, and uh, there's some dissension there. And dissension is revolving around Volkswagen's shift uh, to uh, electric vehicles and self-driving cars. There, a lot of people in the, the boardroom are concerned about that, and particularly the labor uh, laborers are concerned about that, because 
typically Volkswagen has has done a, a very good job of competing. They're the second largest car company in the world, arguably the largest. Uh, Toyota might be the other one uh, that is competing. Uh, and they do well in the current uh, environment. So shifting to electric vehicles is uh, something that I think has a lot of people scratching their heads and and a little bit worried. I mean, what's your take uh, overall on that, you know, that change of direction for Volkswagen, Chris? I think it's an important one for all automakers, probably most important for Volkswagen, given their history in the past, I don't know, decade with Dieselgate and and other scandals within it. I think, you know, uh, they've said, or Herbert Deese or Dice has said that, you know, if they don't pivot fast enough, that's that's when the jobs really become in danger. So I think it's important for them from a bunch of different fronts, especially given that Tesla is looking to open a plant in Germany, if I'm not mistaken, later this year. So uh, a big deal for them. Yes, they are. Tesla is, by the way. And I, one of the reasons the board is a little uh, grumpy uh, is that uh, there is the concern that maybe as many as 30,000 jobs are at risk and this is if the company is too slow in its EV transition. That's uh, Some people are saying that. I think some people are saying if we go too fast on EV transition, if we're ahead of the consumer on that, uh, jobs might be lost as well. So there's uh, some argument going on about that. Here's some, uh, I thought, interesting numbers in the reporting on this. And uh, I, I'd love to have you comment on this when I, after I put these out there, uh, Chris. Tesla sold 627,000 vehicles in the first nine months of this year, and Volkswagen has sold something like 10 or 11 times that number of vehicles, just a, a, a lot more vehicles, I, you know, a crazy amount more vehicles over this, this period of time. And yet Tesla, by market capitalization, by what the uh, stock market essentially is saying uh, Tesla is worth, it's worth $1.2 trillion, which is more than eight times what Volkswagen is worth. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's a bit amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it defies uh, reason and logic and all those other terms that, that people throw around in these situations. I mean, it really does show where uh, the markets believe the momentum is heading. It's obviously towards electric vehicles. It, it shows that the market believes that that Tesla has its thumb on the pulse of, of the future. And, and to some degree, I would probably agree with that. Although it's hard to imagine a valuation of that number with the number of vehicles that they're selling and the fact that they're not necessarily making a huge profit on their vehicle sales. So uh, it's it's puzzling to say the least, but I, I guess there is some sense behind it in terms of where the market is heading. Uh, and to your point, Volkswagen sold something like 11 times as many cars as Tesla did. Uh, but even when they do make the shift to, to EVs, they're still not going to be able to do so as efficiently as Tesla does, according to uh, the figures that, that Reuters is putting out. They're saying that Tesla can build a car in just 10 hours, you know, build quality totally out of the picture here, but build, you know, 10 hours to build a car where at Volkswagen is taking them, they're saying more than 30 hours. They're hoping to hit 20 by next year, but uh, they've got some work to do. Well, I'm uh, I'm baffled by that, and I, I frankly don't trust those numbers, uh, to tell you the truth, because I, I don't believe I'm, Tesla's building a car in the same kind of factories that uh, the typical car maker is using. Uh, to do it that much faster, I think, is, is virtually unbelievable to me, who's been an observer of this industry for a long, long time. I think if that's happening, it's because a lot of the parts for Teslas are assembled elsewhere, and then put together in an assembly plant. 
I'm just, I, I've got to believe that the global car makers really know how to build cars. And uh, when you talk about quality, certainly we've seen some quality issues. This is not uh, to bash Tesla, but just to point out that uh, there are some things that they do well and some things that they don't do particularly well. And uh, building the highest quality cars is not something that uh, they're really noted for. Yeah, and we've we've talked about this for a while, or the industry's been talking about this for a while, that when the legacy automakers actually catch up with Tesla, uh, the differences will really start to be seen. You can see that with Ford and the Mustang Mach-E, and you know, obviously Chevrolet's had its challenges with the Bolt and the Bolt EUV with batteries and things like that. But speed is not everything, and, and you know, turning out 10 cars in the same time it takes Volkswagen to turn out uh, three or four, uh, but if those cars aren't, you know, the panel gaps aren't right or the powertrains aren't put together correctly or whatever the case might be, I'm not making any claims against Tesla. Uh, it's been a long time since I've driven one, but quality matters and, and speed isn't everything. So, right. Absolutely true. And to be fair, and you were quite fair in what you just said, uh, certainly the traditional car makers have had their issues when they're trying to build electric vehicles. You, you point out two very obvious ones right there with uh, the Chevy Bolt and the uh, Mustang Mach-E. So it's not all that easy. Uh, and uh, this industry isn't all that easy. One of the things that's not easy, too, is buying a car right now. Uh, and it's it's true for both uh, consumer customers, who uh, many of whom would like to buy a car and can't find a new car to buy. And it's also true for dealers who are trying to find cars to sell, uh, used vehicles to sell. Cars have never been costlier. And at the same time, they are flying off uh, retail lots it's uh, really crazy times here because we've seen a drastic downbeat uh, in production of vehicles. Uh, through September, car makers built about 2.33 million fewer vehicles than were forecast for that period of time. And that's largely through the chip shortage and other labor shortages, supply chain stuff. At the same time, there's a lot of people with money in their pockets who want to buy a, a new car and just can't and are settling for a used car and are having difficulty finding that. Uh, we're seeing uh, brands like Toyota advertise used cars where they would t be typically advertising their new car inventory. It's just wild times out there in automotive retailing right now. And I think the loser, losers are the consumers. It's just very difficult times. What's your take on that, Chris? I absolutely agree. You know, we talked uh, the last time I was on air a couple of weeks ago about me being in the market for a car. And, you know, just to be completely honest, I wasn't shopping for a new car, or even a more reasonable used car. We were talking 20 plus year old German cars, which aren't necessarily at the top of people's list for daily commuters. But I actually gave up my search because those cars are now becoming, you know, more, more pricey every day because people are starting to turn to the the very old cars to 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 buy a new vehicle if theirs is not working anymore. And it just didn't make any sense for me to start chasing 20 and 30 percent price increases for a car that would just be kind of a fun, fun, fun driver for me. So uh, it's all over the market. And, you know, I gave up and hopefully I'll come back to it at the end of next year or maybe 2023. But it's a really, really frustrating time to have to shop for a car of any type. Yeah, absolutely true. And uh, like you say, it kind of puts a, a damper on any of the uh, enthusiast or uh, just fun car kind of thing, uh, buy something and fix it up uh, that a lot of us have done through the years. It's it's really enjoyable to do. And now it's so difficult to do because there's just uh, not supply there. Dealers are buying cars off the street. That is a, a big trend right now. Uh, certainly they've been doing that for years, but it's certainly gotten hotter as well uh, during this particular supply chain crisis. So if you have a car to sell and don't need to replace it, 
uh, it's probably a great time to offload that car. But otherwise, uh, if you need to buy a new or used car, uh, you're in difficult circumstances right now. That doesn't mean you can't do it or you shouldn't shop. Uh, certainly, the cars are coming into the market and, and some manufacturers are still advertising. But overall, uh, this is a very, very difficult time to buy a car. Yeah, it's a great time, as you say, to sell a car. But if there's any suspicion in your mind that you will need that car again before the end of the year or, or next year, you might want to hang on to it because you're going to end up paying more out the uh, on the other side than you would anyway, which would negate any money that you made from your sales. So uh, if you can, hold on to it for as long as possible. Absolutely. Well, when we come back, we will be road testing some cars. And these are cars you can buy. Uh, They are in dealers right now. Maybe not in great numbers, but they're certainly out there. And uh, manufacturers would love to have you take a look at them. The 2022 Ford Explorer and the 2022 Genesis GV70. pair of midsize SUVs, one from a luxury brand, one from a very popular American brand. So stay with us for that. Thanks for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague. Uh, back with us after being ill last week. We're so glad to have him back with us. This is Jack Red also with you. Uh, it is road test time, and we love road testing vehicles uh, to tell you all about them. Uh, Chris, you had the 2022 Ford Explorer, one of the most popular SUVs of all time, Tell us a bit about the 2022 model. It is one of the most popular SUVs of all time. Uh, Ford refreshed the vehicle just a couple of years ago, so there weren't very many changes for 2022, uh, with the exception of the fact that you can now get more trims. So uh, it starts out around $33,000 for the base rear-wheel rear drive model. I always stumble over that. Uh, and can go up to fifty-five dollars or so for the ultra-plush King Ranch model that's got the nice leather and the super nice interior and the twin turbo V6. But I tested a refreshingly low trim XLT model. So normally the automakers send us, and you know this, Jack, uh, they send us the best and brightest of their model line with all the features and all the tech. And it's always nice. And occasionally uh, we get one of the lower trims and Volkswagen does it a lot, which I enjoy. But anyway, so I tested the 2022 Ford Explorer XLT. It's right around $43,000. It's got the 2.3 liter EcoBoost four-cylinder engine, the turbocharged four. Uh, right around 300 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque, and a towing capacity of 5,300 pounds. And Jack, I want to get your feeling on this. The refreshed Explorer, uh, a couple of years ago, they went back to the rear-wheel drive platform. Have you driven a new one, and what do you think of it compared to the previous generation? I think when they went to the rear drive platform, I liked it a lot. I think they did a lot of really great things with it, and uh, I enjoy that vehicle a lot. I think they they felt like they had lost their mojo a little bit when they went to that front drive platform, and I think they wanted to improve things like interior space and and particularly things like towing uh, and maybe off-road capability as well that they think they can probably do a little better with a rear drive bias platform. Of course, a lot of the vehicles are all wheel drive, but uh, I think it was a a good move overall. And I think it's also a a very good looking vehicle. I agree. It looks more, uh, looks more muscular. I always thought the Explorer was one of the better looking SUVs on the market. Obviously, uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but I like the changes with the new model, the large grill and everything and the strong lines. Uh, It looks like an authoritative SUV, probably why the police enjoy using them so much. But uh, this was not a police pursuit explored. Like I said, just the the XLT model, the turbocharged four cylinder engine. Now, a lot of people scoff at four cylinders for SUVs for towing and things like that. But 300 horsepower, 310 pound feet of torque are, are nothing to scoff at. 
very strong numbers out of a four-cylinder engine. And I will tell you that the only difference that you might miss, and you probably wouldn't get this out of a V6 anyway, is the sound, uh, which it sounds like a four-cylinder engine. But there's plenty of power there when you put your foot down. Um, definitely an energetic driving experience. I would say that uh, for the money, it's probably one of the better powertrains, especially given the fuel economy. Uh, with four-wheel drive, it's got 20 miles per gallon city, 20 miles per gallon, or 27 miles per gallon highway, excuse me, which bests the twin turbo uh, V6 with four-wheel drive, which only hits 18 city and 24 highway. But again, you're getting a very strong acceleration out of the twin turbo. Uh, so unless you want that, the four-cylinder is, is more than plenty for just about anybody that I could imagine. Uh, inside, this vehicle had the, uh, I think it's a 202A package, which you got to love Ford's package naming, uh, which added a heated, heated steering wheel, this ActiveX seating material, which, Jack, I'm going to get your thoughts on in just a moment. But it's uh, not quite a synthetic leather. It's not quite vinyl. It's somewhere in between. I think it works well for... Exactly as it's described, ActiveX, I think it's easily cleanable. Uh, so if you have a dog, kids, you know, you kind of throw them in the back and go, which is exactly what we did. Uh, but I do worry about sort of punctures and, and wear over time with this material. What do you think, Jack, about this trend? And a lot of automakers, Subaru, we talked about this before, do this sort of synthetic leather uh, over real leather, and that might be their only option for some choices. So what do you think about this synthetic leather. Well, uh, Volkswagen does it. Mercedes-Benz does it. I mean, Mercedes-Benz does it, uh, you know, way up the line, too. I was writing a piece recently about the E-Class, and, you know, certainly a, an expensive, typically over 50 or up to 70, $80,000 vehicle where synthetic leather is standard throughout. So I, I think it's a good trend in this, in this instance because I think the way leather is treated to have the durability, I guess, that it deserves in a, a, a vehicle, uh, it, it, it tends to be like vinyl or it tends to be like some kind of synthetic anyway. It is treated in a way and, and often coated in a way that you can't tell the difference. So I think there's a lot to like about doing something that uh, is synthetic and maybe saving some money in the process and uh, making it easier to clean. Yeah, and I think you know you get a little bit more of an upscale feel, and you, like you said, you don't have to settle for cloth, but you don't have to shell out for leather. But uh, anyway, the, the front bucket seats in the vehicle, as with many Fords, they're extremely deep and comfortable, well padded. Plenty of room in the second row bench. I wish there was more support for people back there. My kids are still in booster seats, but when I sat back there, uh, you can definitely tell it's lacking some padding, especially on the bottom. And the third row seats are tight for anyone but kids. So uh, if you're looking for a three-row SUV, you might look elsewhere. At forty-three grand, it's a good price for an Explorer, but Jack, it's hard for me to recommend it when there's so many other great choices for less money out there even as good as the explorer is so i'll pass it back to you on that but uh the ford explorer is a great vehicle uh, just a little pricey for my taste yeah i think there's a lot to like about the ford explorer and i think that price that msrp is negotiable right <laughs> so i would look to that typically the domestic vehicles the cars made by american manufacturers you can negotiate that price down a, a little more than you can on the import so uh, I think the Explorer is very competitive. I think it has found a lot of people playing in its garden. It, it used to own that own that market uh, kind of uh, and have it, if not all to itself, they had a, have a dominant position in it. It does not have that anymore, as you point out. There's so many great choices out there and great choices from both domestic and import brands. So. Uh, but still a lot to like about the Ford Explorer, I think. Totally agree. And here is a vehicle I think there's a ton to like about, too. It is the 2022 Genesis GV70. That might be a designation that is new to you. It is their most recent SUV. 
We had one in the NERAD household to uh, play with and uh, experiment with and uh, test drive over the course of the last week or so, and we really enjoyed it. Number one, this car is a looker. <laughs> this car gets a lot of attention. It is a very, very good-looking vehicle. In a lot of ways, it looks a lot more expensive than it is, which I think is a, a key to a, a successful vehicle. This really looks upscale. Uh, of course, it is competing in a luxury segment, but it is doing that at kind of a, a discount versus um, certainly the German brands for certain. It is available with two different engine configurations in the United States. There is a diesel version in other markets, but we don't get that here. But we do get a 2.5 liter turbocharged engine and a 3.5 liter twin turbocharged engine. Both are very, very powerful. Of course, the 3.5 has uh, significantly more power. So you get like that. We always like more power. Uh, and uh, it has kind of a sport trim uh, that is very, not only performance oriented, but really good looking too. I mean, the wheels and, and with the low profile tires, it looks terrific. Some of the trim differences. Uh, it makes 375 horsepower. You can get a manual transmission uh, on some of some of the Genesis vehicles, but you will not find it on the GV70. I think that just makes all the sense in the world. I don't think a manual transmission would make very much sense in this vehicle at all. Instead, there's an eight-speed automatic transmission that is accessed via a little dial on the console. What's your take on that kind of thing? I mean, my wife and I had a bit of discussion about whether push button or the typical gear shift lever, you know, where are you on all of that stuff, Chris? <laughs> well, so I'll say that I understand the need to cut space because cars have more and more stuff in them than ever before, and they have to find a place to put it all. And so sometimes the gear shift lever cuts into that space. But I'm firmly in the camp that, you know, look, the gear shift lever worked just fine. It worked fine for decades. Uh, before that, I had a car with a column shifter. I'm sure you probably drove some of those too, and people probably complained about the move to the center console. I'll be the old person sitting and yelling at people to get out of my yard because I don't think that that needed to be redesigned. I don't think it adds anything to the user experience to have a dial or buttons. I think the, the gear shift lever worked just fine. Jeez, I thought being the old man grumpy <laughs> was my job, and it turns out to be yours in this instance. And, and I guess I maybe in some ways I would consider myself maybe f more forward-thinking. I'm I'm not all that upset by these kind of things. In fact, I think they make a lot of sense. It, it's odd, too. When I was taking dry driver's head many, many, many years ago, the vehicle in the driver's head film had push button shift. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that takes you way, way back, let me tell you. My wife is always uh, mentioning that it, it makes some sense to have a place where you can put one's purse. I don't carry a purse or a purse or anything like that, but uh, some do. And having that space makes sense. So I think if you can clear up some of that console space, that's good. But let's not make this uh, review all about just <laughs> the, the console or the interior of the vehicle. This is a fun vehicle to drive. It is a five-passenger vehicle. Like I say, it looks terrific. A really good entertainment system, I think, an infotainment system. I really like the wide screen and just the way it's placed over kind of at the top of the dash is very dramatic. It operates pretty well. It has a, a second dial, which you can actually confuse with the shifter dial. 
uh, to operate it. So that has uh, some, I guess there's a learning experience involved in that. Let's talk a little bit about pricing. You can get into a GV70 for as little as about $42,000, which I think is an incredible value with a 2.5 liter turbocharged engine. Uh, when you go up the ladder, uh, the prices climb, but I think the value is still there. And the Sport Prestige model at you know about $63,000, $64,000 is still, uh, I think, an amazing value with all that horsepower, the all-wheel drive, uh, beautiful, very well-finished uh, interior with uh, you know genuine stitching in the interior. Uh, this is just a, uh, a great value overall. So uh, I think with the Ford Explorer, you know, Chris, you were scratching your head a little bit about the value. I think we both agree, though, that on the Genesis GV70, uh, there is tons of value here as a uh, prestige luxury SUV. Yes, no dispute for me there at all. Well, good. I'm glad you're not disputing because, uh, you know, uh, we can't fist fight, especially as distant as we are from each other. And I would lose that fist fight in a, in a minute because, uh, well, for one thing, you're six feet tall. <laughs> uh, so we, we have that going for you. When we come back, we will be having an interview with Garang Kalsaria. Garang Kalsaria is product planner on the revised 2022 Volvo XC60 SUV. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad with you. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Nierad back with you. And we are in the back seat of a Volvo, high above the beaches in Malibu, driving Volvos. Well, we're not driving Volvos right now, but we have been, and we're going to uh, continue that. With me is Garang Kalsaria, product expert for Volvo, uh, made the presentation to us today about XC60 and the V90 Cross Country. Thanks so much for being with us, number one. Thank you for having me. Let's talk a bit about these cars. Uh, fascinating changes for 2022. Let's go into the powertrain first because uh, you've switched up the powertrain pretty significantly. Volvos have always had, in, in some ways, uh, very, very complicated powertrains, right? And this is a bit different. So tell us a bit about it, would you? Sure. So part of Volvo's electrification journey is by 2025, we want to be 50% electric sales. And by 2030, 100% electric. So uh, getting us to that journey, we've introduced our mild hybrid engines, which have a 48-volt battery system. So a lot of the components of the engine are being replaced to be more electronic. So the cars that we've driven today, our B6s, have a e-charger. It's actually replacing the mechanical belt-driven supercharger with a more refined electronic e-charger. So it's quieter, gives you that instant power, and overall just a better execution. So uh, essentially replacing some gasoline propulsion with electric propulsion in yes, the vehicle, right? Correct. But tell us, tell us sure. more. So yeah, uh, uh, again, um, you get the 48-volt system with the introduction of that. You also have brake and shift by wire technology. So when you lift the foot off of the throttle, or let's say when you're putting your foot on for the brake, energy is being recouped and stored into that 48 volt system for later usage. You don't get any pure electric mileage range with the mild hybrids, but you are getting an improved overall range through fuel economy improvements. Because of the ISG or the integrated starter generator that comes with the mild hybrids, it's using that brake and shift by work technology to use the power when you need it. So uh, the typical car, of course, has an electric starter, electric starter motor that starts the car. 
in some ways, the mildest of mild hybrids, right? Um, what you're doing in this situation is you're using that motor also uh, for propulsion or a motor like that, similar to that, uh, for propulsion, right? And uh, capturing what otherwise would be wasted energy as heat in braking and deceleration. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So with the recouping, with the shift in brake by work technology, you're recouping the energy to use for later. And it, like you mentioned, it's uh, with the each, not sorry, not the each other, with the integrated starter generator, it acts as an electronic starter. So the start-stop technology has a great improvement with this, and it's nearly impossible to actually hear the car shutting off when you're approaching a red light and restarting when you're ready to go. And that itself is saving energy as well. And well, and it's great for drivability and great for just uh, consumer satisfaction, right? My, my wife hates uh, some start-stop technology because it's just obtrusive. Exactly. And with this new engine, it's almost impossible to hear it actually happen. So it's just part of your everyday driving. You won't even notice it because it's just happening in the background. And um, that's one of the major improvements with the mild hybrids. Right. So the electric motor can contribute torque almost instantaneously, yes. right? And a reasonable amount of torque. It was interesting in, in your presentation that you mentioned that you can't really just add the torque figures. It, Tell us a, a bit about that. This may be a little bit of inside baseball, but it was interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah, sure. So the torque deliverance that you're getting from the ISG, as well as the horsepower, it's being delivered at different RPM levels. So you get 13 horsepower at about 3,000 RPM from the ISG. But the gas motor would reach its peak torque higher on the rubber. Higher, right? exactly. Yeah. And that's why you can't combine the two, because they're being delivered at different intervals. Uh, and same thing with the torque, you get about 30 pound-feet of torque at about 2,300 RPMs, whereas you get the maximum torque at a much higher RPM. But the great benefit is here, you're getting that torque and the boost at the lower RPMs when you really need it. So everyday type of driving, when you're trying to pass someone onto the highway or when you're trying to get onto an on-ramp and you need that extra speed, that's when you'll get it at the right RPM levels. Right, and it happens right now. I mean, it's not something that has to build up, uh, which is, I guess, why Volvo has used supercharging up till now, a combination of supercharging, turbocharging. I mean, when I talk about Volvo power plants, it's, wow, this, <laughs> this is about as complicated as you can imagine. <laughs> but it's for drive overall drivability that's seamless, and you're able to do that now with this electric uh, boost as opposed to a, a supercharged type yeah, of boost. Exactly, and as I mentioned in the presentation earlier, so with this new e-charger, um, and with the new powertrain and the ISG, you're able to go further faster. So if you look at the same four-second speed interval, you're able to travel 36% in further distance because of the ISG and that instant power that you're getting at the lower RPM. Is this kind of powertrain counting against Volvo's electrification goal, or is this not part of that? It well, it depends on how you look at it. It I'm is trying to see how you guys. Yeah, look at it. so it definitely is because it's kind of the end of just a pure internal combustion engine, right? So now we're introducing some mechanical, uh, sorry, electronic components to the engine, so we don't just have a pure ice engine. It doesn't count towards the uh, 50% goals. That's more for the recharge or the, anything that has a plug. But it is definitely part of our journey to improve the fuel economy and reduce CO2 emissions. Yeah. Very, very cool. And uh, drivability is better. It seemed very peppy as I was driving it. So uh, Yeah, exactly. Very, very good stuff. Let's shift over uh, to entertainment because that's uh, or infotainment, I guess, is a better way to describe it. That's something where 
Volvo has kind of was leading edge with a you know big screen, uh, maybe a generation or two of the XC90 ago. Uh, a lot of that stuff, but uh, there's been rapid evolution since then. Tell us a bit about what's going on now on that score. Sure. So Volvo Cars Group was actually the first to introduce Android system into its vehicles. Now with this model year 22 XC60, as well as the V90 Cross Country, the S90, and the XC40 Recharge, you get Google Automotive Services built right into the car. And what is Google Automotive Services, right? So with that, you actually get to use Google Assistant, which we think is the best in-class digital assistant, as your pretty much your assistant. You could tell it to take you home, turn on the heated seats, adjust the climate, find the closest coffee shop, all just using your natural voice. Not only that, but again, with the research we've done, we noticed Google Maps was a number one downloaded navigation app here in the US. So we decided to fully integrate Google Maps into our system. Whether it's a center stack or your driver information display, you will have the latest maps as well as real-time traffic information at your fingertips. And not on top of that, for the entertainment, you could use the Play Store, Google Play Store, to download apps such as Spotify or listen to your favorite audiobooks with Audible, or even you could download weather. Everything is Go just Go to iHeartRadio, I suppose. Uh, iHeartRadio, listen to your favorite podcast yeah, like today. Including America on the Road, of, of course. course. It must be your favorite podcast because <laughs> you're listening right now, aren't you? Or uh, we'd like to be among your favorites in yes. any case. I have to ask, I'm, I'm an iPhone guy, an Apple guy. How, how does the integration work there? So you actually connect your phone through Bluetooth. So you'll be able to still message with your iPhones. You'll, you'll be able to still receive messages. You'll be able to receive phone calls all through uh, the Bluetooth connection. And what's really cool now is actually when you're sending a text message, you could actually send emojis as well through your voice. So before with Apple CarPlay, when you say, uh, hey Siri, send a smiley face emoji, it will type out smiley face emoji instead of actually putting it in there, right? But with this Google system, when you're sending messages, you could it'll actually put the emoji in the message itself. Oh, that is cool. cool. Yeah. What's your favorite part of the, the Google integration? For me, it's the maps. Honestly, it's such a good experience using Google. Um, compared to other auto manufacturers, when you're using their own navigation system, you're not really getting like the latest traffic information, right? So when you have theirs running, but when you have Google Maps running, Google will, on your phone, let's say, Google will tell you you're going to get there 5, 10, 15 minutes. There'll be a time difference, right? But now, since Google's Maps are built right into the car, you could rely fully on that. You don't even need to worry about the accuracy. So there's no Volvo manufactured navigation maps. It's all it's all in, integrated, in, Google, integrated yeah. and it's Google mapping and other, other Google stuff, Google yeah. Play, etc. So it has been co-developed with Google though. But the maps that are, we are using are Google Maps. Yep, it's. There's yeah, their maps. and real tra uh, real time traffic, of course, in a place here like Los Angeles, is mm -hmm. a marvelous thing to have. Let's talk a bit about the vehicles themselves, and uh, specifically, the XC60 has gotten some, essentially, I guess, a facelift. Uh, it looks different, uh, not radically different, but uh, certainly looks different. And of course, that's your best selling vehicle here. Tell us a bit about that. 
Correct, you're right, exactly. Volvo, the XC60 is our actually number one selling car, and for model year 22, it did receive a facelift. A lot of attention was actually paid to the exterior of the car, and you'll notice that it just has a much more sporty and fresh look to it. If you're looking at the air blades in the front, the dark And I am right now, I'm looking at them yeah, right so across you can the see way here. Yeah. The dark, bold colors really stick out with the crystal white color, right? And the new glossy black grille mesh, and it's just a, the lower face is just cleaned up and really screams at you like sporty and fresh and then actually if you go to the rear you'll notice that we have hidden tailpipes now and again as i mentioned earlier today it's just volvo's just kind of going away from design elements that celebrate co2 emissions here right so the tailpipes are actually tucked underway uh, underneath the the rear execution and it's just more of and they fed into build. the cabin right that's where all the uh, carbon monoxide goes no in. no it's oh. still it's still and yeah. still outside oh that's good <laughs> you're yes, not breathing any of that inside probably a better idea yeah. <laughs> i think wise wise to do that talk a bit about uh how important the xc60 is to uh, volvo especially in north america it's uh, essentially become, as I mentioned, your, your most popular vehicle, but uh, it, it has been uh, kind of the workhorse for the brand for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, the XC60 really fits well, right? I mean, it's it's right in between from XC40 and XC90, just the right amount of space, five-seater. The segment is growing, and as we mentioned earlier, it, it is our number one selling car. It kind of gives you what you need, right? You have the cargo space for the SUV, you have the space to seat five comfortably and overall with the just great fuel economy with the new infotainment it's just a overall well de delivered package right and let's talk a bit about the other vehicle that we were driving today it's the the v90 cross country uh auto journalists love station wagons yes we absolutely love them most buyers don't particularly love them <laughs> we've seen them go away from the marketplace but in driving it here i was again reminded how much i love that kind of configuration tell us uh, what's new with that vehicle yeah so wagons you know it's always been part of volvo's heritage right so the v90 cross country uh, it, it may be a wagon but it has enough space as an suv but you don't have to pay those ridiculous pricing, parking pricing for an SUV, right? Since you're driving a wagon. But with the Mollier 22 V90 Cross Country, you actually get the new engines as well. It does have the mild hybrids and the new infotainment. Uh, the V90 Cross Country we have as well as a V60 Cross Country. But the V91, it is a, it is a nice big overall car and if you don't need a seven seater that the XC90 has but you still want the cargo space, V90 Cross Country is for you. Absolutely. And when are we going to see these vehicles in dealerships? They're today. They're actually out on the dealers right now. I better now. get after it. I mean, yeah. I need to go see them today. That's, that's terrific. So they're on sale now and uh, we're just driving them and um, I can attest that uh, people will like the drivability of these new vehicles for 2022. So uh, Garang Calsaria. I think I got that right again. You can't go wrong with go wrong, yes. Yeah, okay, I like that. I'll remember that. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. We re really do appreciate it. Great, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jackie Red with you. And as we sum up the show for this week, we have question and answer time. This is a portion of the program we like a lot because we, we're here to help you. Uh, we're here to answer your automotive questions. So throw them our way. Send them to editor at drivingtoday.com, editor at drivingtoday.com. Chris, I think you have a question, don't you? 
I do, Jack. This week's question comes from Maddie. She's in Dallas, Texas. And Maddie says, uh, I've got a 2011 Volkswagen Jetta, and I have a warning light in my dash. It looks like a light bulb with an exclamation point inside of it. What does that mean, and is it serious? Well, it depends on what you mean by serious. Uh, certainly the whole warning light, idiot light, uh, as they were so uh, rudely called, uh, on the dash has come in for a lot of... Uh, complaints over the years. But in this particular instance, I had to look this up. Uh, but uh, the light bulb with the exclamation point in it indicates that you might have a bulb burning out. So it could be something as serious as a headlight or a brake light. Those are really important to get fixed. Or it could be something like an interior bulb in the vehicle. Uh, but getting that checked out, and one of the things you could do, of course, with bulbs is check them yourself. Uh, you often need a, a second person to do that because it's hard to check your brake lights as you're manipulating the brake pedal. Uh, but you can check the lights all around to see what's going on. But I think it brings up the larger issue, Chris, of uh, these warning lights, idiot lights. And I think there's a, a trend out there of people to just kind of scratch their head but then do nothing more about it. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, the warning lights mean can mean anything. You know, check take the check engine light, for example. It can mean anything from a loose fuel filler cap to some like catastrophic engine failure. So uh, sometimes people are just anxious about the result and want to avoid it. But I will say that cars, especially modern cars from the past three or four years, are so complex and have so many things going on that, you know, a sensor can go out somewhere and your car is going to trip on a, a warning light. Uh, but the, the bottom line is you shouldn't ignore it. So whether it's for a safety reason, like you mentioned headlights or taillights, or whether it's something like a, a sensor burned out in your exhaust system, your car's performance is going to suffer and you may actually end up being less safe and, and have to spend more money down the road because of it. So, uh, my advice is to not ignore a warning light, especially if your car is under warranty, you're probably going to be able to get it covered. So, uh, get it checked out as soon as possible. Absolutely. I think that is our advice, uh, wise advice. Don't ignore those warning lights. They're there for a reason. At least figure out what they're about uh, before you blithely ignore them. And I think a lot of people do that. And I think that is our show for the, uh, for the week. So glad to have Chris Teague back with us. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jack. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll say if you like what you heard, check out our page on sportsmapradio.com. You can find us right on Saturday mornings there. Uh, have links to our original podcast as well as a recording of the radio show if you want to listen to us over again. Yeah, absolutely. So check that out. And uh, join us again next week right here for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. And if you're looking to buy a new car or used car, you just want automotive information, go to DrivingToday.com. Yeah, that's DrivingToday.com, where there is a world of automotive information DrivingToday.com is also the official website of America on the Road.